0: You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa, EUGHD2 Northport, and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A Townsquare Media station. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: Friday. It is time once again for Southern Pride Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530, McFarlane Boulevard north in the Indian Hill section up to Scalusa. They got A-Day goodies out there at Peterbrook it's By there the last couple of days They were getting some white chocolate Dipped graham crackers With some Roll Tides on them for you Get you ready for A-Day 2021 Right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier 1530 McFarland Boulevard North Joined on the program By the executive producer And sometimes host of Southern Fried Sports Mr. Jacob Harrison And together we combine to form The 60 Bitter Bitter Woo! Of sports talk radio jacob harrison thank you for sitting in the chair on thursday for us and look forward to getting us ready for a day weekend which is already underway because you had alabama baseball last night with a walk-off win over the alban tigers at the joe so we're we're off and running jacob
3: yeah, you know all that cool stuff was going on, but we just talked about the NFL draft for a whole hour because I can't control myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like me—if you have me drive past Jim's barbecue on Highway 82, um, and you go inside Jim's, and they've got a menu, they've got cheeseburgers, they've got—you know—they've got all these different great things. But what do you think I'm going to get at Jim's? I'm going to get. I'm going to get the outstanding chicken, maybe the chicken and ribs. I'm going to get the beans and the slaw, and I do it each and every time because I can't help myself. You know, I know everything on that menu is great, but uh, I'm going with the Q, no doubt about it. 205-342-9904, that is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to jump on board with us on this Friday morning, you are more than welcome to do so. Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie. Going to join us coming up in the very next segment. We will preview a day from a number of different vantage points. You heard from Nick Saban post-practice on Thursday evening. Nick went ahead and let you know, going to be holding some guys out. Perhaps several guys going to be held out from tomorrow's scrimmage. And you almost are to the point, based on some of the things you've heard from the first two scrimmages, you kind of hope that's the case on defense. Maybe that'll help the competitiveness of this scrimmage because if Evan Neal doesn't scrimmage tomorrow at left tackle and you're already down Emil Ekior on that first team offensive line and that's before you get into the second group, uh, it could be reminiscent. Remember a couple of years ago, Tim Williams working off the edge, just absolutely blew up the first half of an 8 day game. I believe Nick Saban said as much to ESPN or one of the networks that was broadcasting the scrimmage that year at halftime that basically Tim Williams just ruined, wrecked the first half of that particular A-Day. You could have that tomorrow with the situation being what it is and with Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, even depth at outside linebacker capable of being a real problem as well. So we'll see. We'll see who actually participates in the scrimmage, but it's just going to be it's going to be a great day for Alabama fans because, of course, we did not have this day a year ago. So you're going to get double your pleasure where the permanent captain ceremony is concerned there at Denny Chimes. I believe that's set to get underway around 10, 10, 15. So you're going to have the 2019 permanent team captains. You're going to have the 2020 permanent team captains putting their feet and hands and cement there at the quad. So that'll be cool. And then you're going to have a championship celebration. You didn't have a parade following the latest national championship win for Alabama football. So you'll have that post scrimmage. Matt Jones, Nick Saban expected to address the assembled crowd there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Halftime, you'll have Devonte Smith receiving his Heisman Trophy. Uh, had to do that virtually, as we know, back in December things being what they were. So it'll be a cool day. It'll be a cool weekend around the University of Alabama. And, again, it got started last night. Walk-off win for the Alabama baseball team, 8-7 to seven over visiting Auburn. Alabama now 6-7 and seven in SEC play, climbing, climbing toward 500 in the league. Auburn falls to 1-12 in SEC play. And your stars, we talked about this with the Texas A&M sweep, last weekend, but the Stars uh, the stars stepped up for you down the stretch of that game last night. Sam Prater ties it with a homer in the eighth. Owen Diodotti walks it off with a single in the tenth. He had six home runs in the game last night. Kind of had that retro gorilla ball feel to it with the ball flying out of the Joe. Tyler Ross on the mound for Alabama getting the start. Got roughed up a little bit, but Landon Green, very effective In two innings of relief down the stretch with four strikeouts, no walks, no hits. College baseball, the first stat I look at in a pitching line is walks. And Alabama and Green specifically doing a nice job of that to close out the Auburn Tigers. You got Alabama-Florida softball getting underway this evening. The Gators in town for three and a big Big SEC series, so a lot of stuff going. On. You got Alabama gymnastics at the NCAA championships. There's plenty of stuff. Plenty of stuff. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. We'll get into some specifics for this a day scrimmage. Maybe some guys of particular interest that I'll have my eyes on tomorrow. Um, you know, and there's some basketball stuff to talk about as well. Jaden Shackelford. Let you know on social media yesterday that he will, in fact, enter the NBA draft process without an agent. Look, we told you right after the end of the season this was going to happen with a couple of guys on this returning roster. Javon Quinterly, possibly Shackelford, although he didn't have a great finish to the season, wasn't especially good in the NCAA tournament. But it absolutely makes sense if you're a second or third year guy. You get a couple of opportunities to do this without an agent, why wouldn't you do it? The feedback alone that you're going to get is going to be extremely beneficial. So not a big surprise there. You're seeing some other guys around the league in SEC men's hoops announce that they will be coming back for a super senior year. John Fulkerson, the Tennessee Post, most recent among those this morning announcing he will return to Knoxville for a six year. And if you're John Fulkerson, you absolutely should. You know, John Fulkerson, at least in the East Tennessee, within that fan base, he's almost Tim Tebow-like. Now, he's Tim Tebow-like without, say, the John Wooden Award, which would be the Heisman Trophy equivalent for men's basketball uh, at the collegiate level. But that fan base loves him, man. That beat loves him. And he can help them. He can help Rick Barnes during the upcoming season. By the way, Tennessee lights out on the recruiting trail here in the last couple of days. Um, but with Fulkerson coming back, it got me to wondering about maybe some, some athletes from the past that if they had the opportunity like these men and women have for the next calendar academic year, to have that extra year tacked on, would they have made use of it? Tim Tebow, for some reason, I don't know why. When I saw this with Fulkerson, I thought immediately of Tim Tebow. Would Tim Tebow have come back? It would have been a fifth year for Tim. You know, He didn't have a red shirt. He didn't red shirt at UF. That first season on campus, 2006, Chris Leak was the primary quarterback there for the Gators, but they utilized – Tim Tebow. A lot of the Tim Tebow hype came in two thousand six when Urban Meyer would use him in some short yardage goal line situations. He threw the jump pass. Remember that against LSU down there? Was that Aaron Hernandez that he threw that to? Um but Tim Tebow would have been a fascinating guy to consider in this sort of situation. Because and I understand Tim Tebow ended up being a first-round pick, but other than Josh McDaniels, were there 31 other clubs chomping at the bit to take Tim Tebow in the first round? I don't remember it that way. That's not the way I remember it. And I remember hearing after his third season, after 2008, you know, was he going to come out as a junior? And my thought then was that there's no way he should come out. No way. And as much because his brand was going to be cemented always as a college football player, and specifically a Florida Gator. So I thought at the time that was an easy, should have been an easy decision for Tim Tebow. And I think also in terms of his stock after his third season in Gainesville, it probably wasn't, first-round type, maybe second, maybe third-round type stock. But just as far as his all-around brand, being Tim Tebow, he was going to benefit more big-picture-wise by a fourth year fulfilling his entire eligibility quota at the University of Florida. But would Tim have come back for a fifth year? Hmm. It's interesting to consider. I, I don't know. Obviously, it's impossible to answer that question, but um, it kind of made me think that with Fulkerson. You know, with Tebow, he comes back in 2010, how much does that change maybe Urban Meyer and the length of time that he perhaps hangs on at the University of Florida? There's so many things, there's so many degrees of Tebow, isn't there? Because you can do this with Alabama and Tebow's recruitment when he ultimately chose the University of Florida, but would tell anybody that would listen, oh, yeah, Alabama's right there with the Gators. And there was a sentiment at one point in his recruitment where a lot of people, not just Alabama people, Florida people were starting to be convinced that this guy's going to go to Alabama. So you talk about perhaps changing the, the outcome And how things played out for not only Alabama, not convinced it would have worked all as well. I think Tim Tebow did exactly what he should have done at that time. Not only in terms of being a Florida legacy with so many of his family members, Florida people, UF people. But stylistically, Urban's offense was a better fit for Tim Tebow at the time than what I think Mike Shula would have tried to do with Tim Tebow. I think Mike Shula, being such an NFL guy, and with sort of the power spread and the zone read and those things not as big a part of the landscape of college football at the time, I guess Gus, Gus was just getting to Arkansas as an assistant coach at that point. That's the way I recall it, anyway. And so, stylistically, schematically, I think Mike might have tried to put a square peg in a round hole with Tim Tebow. We'll never know. But uh, yeah, you look at Tim as a possibility of a super senior. That would have been that would have been something else. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line. You know, something that's interesting with the spring games to consider as well. Is turnout relative to what might we expect for attendance come the fall? A lot of eyes going to be on Tuscaloosa tomorrow, I think, from that perspective. With the increased capacity to 50,000, and yes, there is a nominal charge for a spring game ticket this time around, just five bucks. I won't be surprised if you hear some chatter after tomorrow. Let's say Alabama draws 30,000 tomorrow, 35,000. Doesn't max it out at the 50. And we're talking about a team that's also going to be celebrated as the most recent national champions in college football. I think there will be some talk about Alabama only had 35,000 for their spring game, and they could have had fifty. Is this sort of a predictor of what attendance around college football, which was already becoming a concern before the pandemic, is this going to be what it is post-pandemic? I think it's going to be a little early. I I think we're going to have to get into the season to really have an understanding of that. Um, And then also to kind of figure out what season ticket renewals look like. By the way, you got a deadline coming up for that. If you're a Tide Pride member, I'm sure you know that by now, the chocolate lady, the chocolate. Lady. I'll say this for the chocolate lady. She's in. She's got her six for the upcoming season, so she's not running and hiding. But, uh, you know, one of the big concerns in the pandemic season was that a lot of longtime season ticket holders, a lot of people that have gone to games for years were going to come to the conclusion that, you know what? This setup's pretty good at the old uh, Hacienda. I got this 60-inch HD television. I got my own bathroom. I've got a couple refrigerators full of cold drinks. I got the Big Green Egg making 12 hamburgers for what two will cost me from the concession stands. And I understand concession stand prices have been reduced and have become more reasonable in some ways in recent years. But that's something a lot of folks are going to be interested in, I think, once we get into the 2020 season, 2021 season, excuse me, and get a better read on the impact of the pandemic in terms of people, not even just from a safety perspective, you know, a health concern of being in crowds, but knowing that they did this perhaps in 2020 and it wasn't all that bad. It wasn't all that bad. And again, this was a battle that athletic departments were already fighting. Maybe not so much at Alabama, but certainly at a lot of other places. in the SEC, Tennessee, Florida. Not just talking about Vanderbilt and Kentucky here where football is concerned. It was already an issue for some programs that are considered to be among the premium brands at least, even if the product on the field hasn't been as great of late. Just in terms of brand recognition in the SEC, those were certainly some of those teams that uh, were experiencing some of the attendance dr- uh, drops. We're going to head to our first break and we come back. Charlie Potter, BamaOnline.com. He's going to join us right here on Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this.
1: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Everwood Treatment Company, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood, treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama softball is ready for a top-five showdown this weekend at Rhodes Stadium against the Florida Gators. Head coach Patrick Murphy gives his thoughts heading into this Friday-to-Sunday series. You know, he recruits good kids, good students, um, I try to do the same. You know, it's, it's a healthy rivalry. It's not a dirty rivalry because you guys know the difference in that. I don't really like that opposite style of play where it's a dirty rivalry. I know it's going to be a hard-fought game. We're going to play the right way. And they're, they're not going to beat themselves. So that's a, a good compliment to them is you're going to have to beat them.
0: I'll have more in a moment. Everwood Treatment Company is wood treated right. Everwood is the most technologically advanced pressure treated wood available. That means no rotting, no decay, no problems. Just wood treated right. Everwood is your treated wood source and the official pressure treated lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you're looking to add or replace decks, outdoor structures, or commercial jobs, choose Everwood for wood treated right. If you need it, we'll get it to you. To locate your local Everwood store, visit everwoodtreatment.com. Everwood Treatment, official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide.
1: We've got you covered for the 2021 Golden Flake A-Day game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Our radio coverage on Saturday on the network begins at 11.30 a.m. Central with kickoff at noon with our booth cam streaming live on Facebook. Our coverage will also include letting you listen in to the 2020 National Championship celebration postgame, including comments from head coach Nick Saban and former quarterback Mac Jones. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports
0: Network. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy this afternoon. We could see some rain late in the day. Rain is more likely tonight. The high today 70, tonight's low 52. Tomorrow, periods of rain during the morning ending by midday. Clouds linger through the afternoon. The high 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide
2: Senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you weekdays from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, is brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier. Hey, I see right here on the old Tuscaloosa thread, and if you haven't already on the Twitter, made the Tuscaloosa thread a follow. You should at TCL thread. Yeah! Also, have the app there that you can uh, you can download on the old smart device. I see where a home in Tuscaloosa overlooking Lake Tuscaloosa, record-breaking deal this week, $3.25 million. Kim Harwood, the Tuscaloosa realtor, on the good side of that one. Tusca, Los Angeles, Jacob Harrison. That's what I'm going to start calling it. That's where we're headed uh, with Tuscaloosa. Tusca, LA, and not lower Alabama, all right?
3: That sounds like a recipe for more construction work around here, Travis. Yes.
2: Well, I think I think what's driving some of this is that right now, because the cost of materials is so high because of the pandemic, and also just labor, that uh, existing home sales are booming everywhere, really, and Tuscaloosa is in that mix, and uh, so you got one on Lake Tuscaloosa going for 3.25. It's a nice number. Nice number. Let's head to the Peter Chocolate Tier studio line right now. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for us at BamaOnline.com covering the Alabama Crimson Tide. Charlie, we heard from Nick Saban post-practice yesterday, and I've got an idea, Charlie. Since Nick says there's going to be several guys held out of tomorrow's 8 day scrimmage, Instead of having media coaches, I say we have media players, Charlie. What about it? Can we get you suited up and ready to go for tomorrow? You like that idea, Charlie? Media
4: players this year. (laughs) Um, I guess I would need to know in advance what side of the ball I was going to be on. Because if I was going against that first-team defense, I think I would have to fake an illness uh, with the way they've played in the the couple of scrimmages. But I think – just for speaking for my fellow local beat reporters, uh, I think that would be entertaining if nothing else. So, um, if I could sign awesome. like, a, yeah, like an insurance policy, maybe. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, again, it would have to. I would have to be playing defense um, oh, in that game for sure. The the number of
2: hamstring pulls for the media team, <laughs> I would put it four and a half. Would you go over or under that for
4: a media well, team? If it if it's four the half. same if it's the same amount of media players as they have media coaches every day, it's or every year it's four. So uh, I think I'd probably go over. I think everybody would just be like well, uh, that with, with double hamstrings. I, I,
2: well, exactly. See, I'm not just saying one hamstring per. I'm talking double hammies yeah. for some
4: of these folks.
2: <laughs> you know, I look. I already already have one all the time anyway. So yeah it'll be interesting i guess just right i mean there's regular season games where a big part of your game coverage is getting there watching pre-game warm-ups watching uh those things and getting an idea who's available and to what extent but that's going to be the case even for the spring game it sounds like this time
4: around yeah i mean like you said nick saban said they're going to be quite a few players held out of the game and um you know, he. I asked him about a couple of guys he brought up after Saturday's scrimmage, and he wasn't too happy about that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, he kind of he made sense. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily appreciate the the flare up, but you know, it, it's not. You know, they're not getting ready to play Miami. They're not getting ready for an SEC game. But it's not a playoff game, so the availability of these guys isn't necessarily of that. Much significance, but you know, you'd still like to know the couple of guys that got hurt or were held out of the uh, second scrimmage if they're going to be able to go. It looked like Evan Neal was back at practice yesterday and going through some drills from the video they put out. But yeah, I mean, you you look at the the players that he's mentioned throughout the spring. Um, you know, the first day he talked about guys that would not going to be practicing hardly at all, and that included guys like John Mechie and Mil Ecuor Malachi Moore, Fidarian Mathis. Those are guys that are essentially returning starters, all of them. Um, Pierce Quick's been out with a back injury. Um, you know, we know that those two linemen uh, were kind of banged up in this past scrimmage. You know, the first time we talked about the tight end, guys like Major Tennyson, the two freshmen that came in, uh, were, we're dealing with injuries. I know Marcus Banks is someone he's mentioned the corner, um, you know, dealing with a leg issue. So, you know, guys have been dealing with stuff all spring. And, you know, it, it's not if, – if there's any kind of question, I get holding them out of the spring game. But that does, you know, make our job a little harder not being out there. And it it does make those pregame warm-ups like they did last year even more, um, you know, advantageous and, and beneficial for us from a coverage standpoint. So,
2: without knowing exactly who we're going to see suited up, uh, is there still a storyline or two that you can – Kind of bank on is, is being a big part of the narrative. Um, you know, it's it's a celebratory day, I guess, as much as anything, with the permanent captains from the last two years going uh, into the cement there at Denny Chimes, and then of course the post scrimmage uh, celebration for the 2020 national champs. But as far as this next team goes, uh, can you still sort of point to some ar- areas where? Uh, the, the, the intrigue will still be there tomorrow.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to see the quarterbacks. Um, you know, Bryce Young played some last year, but didn't really get any big opportunities. And, um, you know, Nick Saban made it also sound like there's going to be a quarterback out. Right now, I think Bryce Young and Paul Tyson are going to be good to go. So, you know, that draw and that um, kind of aura that people are being drawn to the game for is still there, but I think for me, what I'm most interested in is just to see who they're throwing the football to and how those guys look. Because you know, wide receiver has been a position that hasn't necessarily been getting the the voter confidence from Saban throughout the spring, and and that's to be expected. I mean, you're losing um, you know two eventual first round picks and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. There's not a lot of experience coming back. Um, you know, three of the guys that are out there, are true freshmen, going through their first practices. So just to see how they look and you kind of the rapport they've got with the quarterback. I think for me is uh, going to be the, the most interesting thing in in this in this scrimmage, um, and really just kind of the offense in general. I think we know what Alabama has on the defensive side of the ball, at least from a first team perspective. But you know how the offensive line looks. You know what running backs are working with the ones and and everything like that. And of course, you have to take all this kind of with a grain of salt because there's going to be some guys out. This isn't going to be you know, the, the roster and the, the unit that we see on the field come September because there are guys that are going to be obviously in the mix that aren't out there. So just the way the offense looks and, and what they're able to do maybe from a limited capacity I think is really what I'm most interested to see come Saturday.
2: The early enrollees, man, we love it. Uh, get an opportunity to check those guys out, and there's no shortage of five stars. Uh, when you look at this group that, that came on campus in January and has gone through spring drills, um, given the situation with the offensive line, I would think a couple of those, Tommy Brockermeyer, JC Latham chance we could see either or both those guys with the ones tomorrow, Charlie, and then also at wide receiver. Uh, that's another area where there, there, there's a couple of guys where the expectations have been, uh, exceedingly high, fair or unfair. Um. Uh, what do you anticipate, maybe on the outside, uh, where the passing game is concerned?
4: Yeah, I mean, sticking with the offensive line just for a second, again, um, it, it all depends on Evan Neal. If he's not out there, I think Tommy Brockemeyer yeah. will be the left tackle with the ones. That's kind of he's been next man up there um, for the last several practices. And you know, the right side, if, if Jv and Cohen can't go, has been Damian George at right guard and um, Kendall Randolph with JC Latham as the backup right tackle but i am interested just to see those two guys and how they're able to to handle um you know pass rush we've seen uh outside linebackers and and edge rushers uh a spring game in the past and um i do think though if if they're with the twos if Evan Neal can go then it'll be a little more uh of a fair fight for them given they won't have to block guys like Chris Allen and Will Anderson off the edge. But, yeah, I mean, wide receiver, just from a young guy perspective, I think is is probably at the top of my list from a <clears throat> early enrollee standpoint just because we haven't heard a lot from guys like uh, Ajay Hall or uh, Christian Leary or Ja'Cory Brooks this spring and just to see what they can do and um, bring to the table. Because I think given what Alabama has to replace at the wide receiver position, if that's one of the spots where it makes the most sense for a, a young guy, a true freshman, to come in and, and make an immediate impact. So, you know, can they take that next step? And then defensively, I, I think JaQuincy McKinstry is probably the guy there for me, just because he's been a uh, early enrollee that's worked with the the twos, um, you know, there at the cornerback spot. So, uh, a lot of young guys are going to get opportunities with you know some of these guys out. So it'll be fascinating just to see you know what they can do in in their first you know public appearance in an Alabama uniform.
2: Something interesting that you noted on the roundtable there, the premium message board at com, was that at least on the official website, com, looks like Keelan Robinson is listed at a position other than running back right now.
4: He was. Um, they were quick to change that. It seems like any time that, uh, <laughs> a change is made to the roster that gets pointed out publicly, they... Change it really quick. But, you know, that's something I, I think he's worth some the wide receiver, um, you know, this spring. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, the roster again just to make sure he's listed as a running back again. But, back. um, you know, might be a safe two o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Nick Saban, um, yeah, as, I think it was uh, earlier this spring or maybe the midway point. I talked about the receiver position and how there wasn't a first round pick on this roster yet. But, he wanted to see you know more speed and you know you know it. Every time that we mention Keelan Robinson here on our podcast, the BOL, um, Keelan Robinson has that juice, and you know maybe put him in the slot and give them a little bit of speed at the position. It makes a lot of sense, and we've seen them use receiver, or running backs, kind of a receiver role in the past. Guys like Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs kind of come to mind in that regard. So could that be uh, something that he does given that Alabama has a lot of running backs they feel really good about? It's possible. I think that's also something, you know, if he's out there and, and going through uh, the scrimmage to watch because at this point, you know, we've, we've talked about all these guys, and heck, we can get out there. They could be in street clubs. Who knows? But um, I do think that's a, an interesting development, something that you know, could be a role for Keelan in the fall.
2: Yeah, something else that I think is going to be – a major component in terms of backfilling for the 2021 team is the return game, and that's something else that get talked about a lot. I guess some guys that we've seen in those areas, uh, Keelan Robinson would would kind of fit that bill, I would think. Um, maybe Slade Bolden on punts. Have you been able to get a field? Do you think we might get more of a field tomorrow? Understanding that returns typically aren't live. Uh, in a spring game, kickoffs, punts, just in terms of candidates, at least, because Jalen Waddell, I mean, you're talking about an all-timer, and then Devontae Smith, he goes back there, and all he does is take one back against Arkansas for a touchdown. Um, some potential options, I guess, in the return game, we might learn a little more about, two tomorrow.
4: Yeah, the the guys that you mentioned, I think, would probably be the le- leading candidates of both with Keelan Robinson as a kickoff returner and, and Slade Baldwin as a punt returner. But you're right, I mean, um, you know, with the scrimmages they've had and what they'll do in eight days, the the return game hasn't been live, so it, it's tough to kind of get a feel for it. You can you can kind of see from a personnel standpoint what they're trying to do, but I don't think it's necessarily set in stone. That will be you know to see if they kind of you know mix guys in there just to you know be on the field and get that feel for a, a live game and to to field the punt cleanly or field the kickoff cleanly and everything like that. But uh, I think Keelan Robinson would be a great kickoff returner. I think they have some guys that can, um, you know, be in the mix there at, at punt returner. You know, maybe a guy like J. Quincy McKinstry, maybe a young guy at receiver like a Thayer Jones Bell. Who knows? I think we could. It'd be fascinating to kind of see how that plays out. And I think you know you got to also take into account that there are guys that could be you know a factor in the return game that aren't on campus right now. I think a guy like JoJo Earl the incoming wide receiver could be someone that maybe gets a crack at it. So I think that one's still TBD just because, you know, given the nature of how they go about return game uh, in the spring without it being live is kind of hard to get a feel for right now.
2: It's been kind of hard to get a feel for the Alabama men's basketball roster, although we do know that Nato's continues to add what looks to be very, very talented pieces. Uh, looking ahead to 2021-2022 um, I know he addressed the media here in the last couple of days. What were maybe the one or two biggest takeaways you had from that session with NATO's Charlie?
4: Well, I mean, you know, we've said it countless times now, but um, you know, NATO's very open and, and seems to be honest with us when it comes to you know building questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. You know, when talking about the roster, you know, he straight up said they're one over, which is what everyone believed. But it's good to hear that it doesn't sound like there's some kind of, you know, COVID loophole that they're they're trying to, um, <laughs> you know, go through. So they're going to have to have someone leave. And, you know, he talked about how tough those conversations are, but they've handled it well in the past. And you know, they're going to take their time, whether they have until August, to really finalize the roster and get dinner into to that 13 number. But, um, you know, you, you have – A situation where seniors could return and he says he doesn't expect that to be the case and we've seen um herb jones and john petty you know formally say goodbye on social media and there's a report out there that jordan bruner's gonna hire an agent we haven't really heard anything from alex reese yet but you know nato has said that he doesn't expect any seniors to be back and he does expect some guys to, to test the nba draft waters and we saw uh, Jaden Shackelford last night entered his name into the draft without hiring an agent so he can maintain that eligibility and uh, I don't I'm blame guys at all for doing that um, you know it's a situation where they're going to get feedback and they can still return to school and know what they need to work on for the upcoming season to improve their stock and um, you know I think it's great that basketball does that for those players and and o said that you know he's not going to Name who he thinks could do it, but you could probably you know put two and two together and talked about you know their their best players from last year. And you look at it, Jaden Shackleford was the leading scorer, a guy like Javon Quinterly was number two, brought behind him. Those are those are two guys that I think could you know get feedback and, and see what they need to work on, but not necessarily turn pro. So from that standpoint, you know the roster is you know, still in flux. Um, yeah, I know Hank South has, has posted some um, insider info on, on BOL that they might not even be done looking at guys. They're not done recruiting. So I think the, the roster is uh, you know, still TBD, and uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out.
2: Well, Charlie, as always, great stuff with us here on Southern Fried Sports, but certainly daily right there at BamaOnline.com. You can catch our weekly podcast, Charlie and myself, there as a part of the Bama Online podcast as well. Have a great 8 day weekend, Charlie. We'll catch up again soon. All
4: right, man. Thanks for having me.
2: There he goes. Charlie Potter, veteran of the Alabama Beat, does an outstanding job for us there at BOL. If you haven't already, sure you have, but if you haven't, follow Charlie on The Twitter as well, at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T-T-E-R. You talk about some Alabama players with uh, NBA draft aspirations. What about Jasmine Walker last night from the women's team? Seventh overall to the L.A. Sparks. Not bad. Not a bad landing spot if you're Jazz. Go out to L.A. And then not only that, you get a congratulatory tweet From Irvin Magic Johnson. It's a pretty cool night for Jasmine Walker. Headed to the WNBA from the Alabama women's program. And Jasmine will, she might very well make more money overseas. Because that's kind of the deal with women's basketball, or it has been. I think the WNBA is trying to up the ante where player salaries are concerned. But man, you go to places like Russia and China and overseas with women's basketball. That's where the big money gets made on the women's side of things. Going to step aside for a quick break. We come back. More of Southern Fried Sports on a Friday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, right here on side, 100.9 FM, right after this. Hi, it's Jay
0: Barker. It's hard to believe a day is this Saturday. Join the Tide Tailgate Team live for a two-hour a day broadcast from 9:30 to 11:30 a.m. for the Walk of Champions, brought to you by Towns and Nissan, your hometown Nissan dealer. Catch the best analysis of Tide football from some of my former teammates. I talk SEC Scott Moore and maybe some special guests as well, and myself on Tide 100.9.
2: Rafferty before the Foo Fighters did Baker Street it was that man would have turned I guess what with my public school math background 74 today Jerry Rafferty you know our draft guru guy Resident draft guru guy, Jacob Harrison. You know, a guy we just haven't talked about nearly as much as I think any of us thought we would, about a year ago anyway, has been Alex Leatherwood with this upcoming draft. And you look at him, I guess Leatherwood being considered to be a little bit of a tweener. I've seen some mocks where he's actually crept into the late first to say the Kansas City Chiefs, who obviously have a tackle need. um. But career-wise, over 30 starts in a row to end his career, some of those at guard, the last two seasons at left tackle, just not as much love for Alex Leatherwood. All he did was win the Outland Trophy, right? Here's what I think about Alex Leatherwood, and I've made the comp to James Carpenter in the past, a former Alabama tackle came out in the 2011 draft, was a bit of a surprise as a late first-round pick by the Seahawks. I think if you take a guy in that spot, you're hoping he can be a tackle. James Carpenter was a tackle at Alabama, but has since gone on to spend most of his 10-plus years in the National Football League at the guard position. I think that could be the situation for Alex Leatherwood. What do you think, Jacob Harrison, when you think about Leatherwood? in his NFL prospects.
3: I agree with uh, what, what Daniel Jeremiah said after the first pro day, is that he's a guy that you want to start at, at uh, right tackle and then evaluate him there. If mm-hmm. if that's home, stick him there. If he can be a better player, then you can try him at left tackle, and if it doesn't work out, you can put him at guard. And But for me to agree with that would also mean that I have to put you below some of the guys that are on the same – playing as your talent field or your talent level uh because you at least know that guys like Dylan redunds are are gonna be good right tackles you don't mm-hmm. have to think that redunds is gonna move into guard uh or or at least that's the way they're you know prospected out you know nobody knows everything but uh that that's kind of how it does it for me and that's I have a really hard time seeing him go a, you know higher than like mid second because of that
2: yeah yeah. Yeah, if you're the Chiefs and you actually are thinking Alex Leatherwood late first, you're you're almost banking on he can at least be a right tackle. Because that's I mean, that's where you've got the need, right? So um I I still think though, one way or the other, Alex Leatherwood very quietly, sort of under the radar, like James Carpenter, he's gonna play ten years in the league. As much as anything, because wherever he ends up, you're gonna be able to count on him day in and day out. And like, say, uh, I don't know, Isaiah Wilson from last year's late first round pick
3: by the Tennessee Titans. Something to be said about that as well. Pain in intern Mason's eyes. <laughs> oh,
2: poor Mason. I had to do that to him on a Friday, too. Sorry, Mason. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. Step aside for a final break. and we come back, Pops. Pops uh, this morning has been out battling those hedges at sixty forty seven. 47 We'll see if we can pull him away long enough to do his weekly segment as we put a wrap on a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this.
0: tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather mostly cloudy this afternoon. We could see some rain late in the day. Rain is more likely tonight. The high today 70. Tonight's low 52. Tomorrow periods of rain during the morning, ending by midday. Clouds linger through the afternoon. The high 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
2: More of a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide. 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. We're going to head down to Pops right now. Pops uh, earlier today was battling those hedges. Those hedges at 6047 Mizell. I mean, they're like Sanford Stadium quality. Jordan Hare Stadium quality. Wrigley wriggly Field, man. It, it's uh, very impressive. What worries me? about you and those hedges is that you've grown some of them to such a height so that you wouldn't have to look at the eyesore that at one time was your neighbor's <laughs> house that you have to get up on like a six foot ladder now with yeah. the, the electric with the gat, with the the hedgers running it's getting a little tricky for me at my old
5: age but i'm still up there doing it i, I hope it don't fall off but
2: you don't yeah, do tie off. When you don't up.
5: tie off, pops. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> you don't tie off either.
5: Yeah, I, I need a, a, a safety belt, you know. Mm-hmm. That I used You better to hope OSHA,
2: You better hope OSHA don't roll by the house one day when you're out <laughs> doing that, pops. Shut you down, pops. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're impressive those hedges. I'm telling yeah, you they right are. now, yeah, Al- Albany or Georgia, they both take those hedges right now. Yeah, and true. unlike that's those true. places, people don't end up in your hedges usually. They don't yeah, end up in them.
5: That, it used to be always between the hedges at Georgia, mm-hmm. the Georgia mm-hmm.
2: Bulldogs. Pops, he's got that St. Augustine grass, but he likes to still throw that winter rye in there to really beef yeah. it up and make it pop. It does help. Yeah. You know, it helps. Because mm-hmm. when the grass gets dormant, Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's
5: just not green enough so I, I have to put a little winter rye in
2: there mm-hmm. I think between Pops' grass and those hedges you could play the Florida Georgia game at Pops' <laughs> you know, well, that's on the, the west side, the the way way side right of Jacksonville
5: now, if, if I was 10 or 11 years old it would be perfect for playing football mm-hmm. in the yard
2: mm-hmm. those dogs of yours they like that yard real good yeah you know? <laughs> Hey, Pops, yeah, I asked do. the question earlier because we got this, uh, you know, you had that free year of eligibility in college athletics, basically, between the fall and winter sports anyway. Yeah. Uh, I asked the question earlier, if Tim Tebow were at Florida and he had that extra year, that free year made available to him, do you think he would have came back for another year, Pops, a fifth year with your Florida Gators? He
5: probably would have if Urban would have been
2: there you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he probably would i think he would have too i think he would have too and i think he should have because his brand who he is was always going to be bigger as a college football player and specifically a florida gator right. than anything else he was going to do after that in the nfl <laughs> i know right.
5: he's, he's on the sec network
2: because he's a gator, not because he played for the nobody's Broncos, aware
5: you know? of Mm-hmm. Uh, great things that he does, uh, like Danny Warfel does for the Gators, yeah. also yeah. know, charity work and stuff like that. They're they're good people, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think about if Tebow had been able to come back for another year, two thousand tens a lot different. Maybe Urban isn't as uh, ready to 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 spend time with the family. You know, if Tim comes back for that for that extra year. Oh, you know, yeah. Boy, that, that wouldn't have surprised me a bit. Mm-hmm. That
5: would have worked out perfect for Urban.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I was out and about in Tuscaloosa a couple of nights ago, and I ran into our guy, Doug Marone, yeah. the uh, former Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, along with Bill O'Brien. And I got the sense that they're enjoying the anonymity. You know, well, being you know, I, former I, I, NFL I, coaches and and being assistant coaches at, at Alabama—that's the sense I got. Well, they're
5: they're working for a man that's that old school, just like they are. You know, yeah. and they they appreciate yeah. the fact that, that there's still somebody out here that's like that besides them. Well, because it sounds they, they crazy, pops. In the perfect spot,
2: but compared to where they were. You know, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, working where they're at now, they don't have to worry about motivating people to do their jobs like no, they had to. No, right? No. I mean, Doug Marone—that was he had it. He had it the worst in Jacksonville with some of those cats that he had. Oh, no, it, it was—it's was more
5: parenting in Jacksonville yeah. than it was anything else. There, he was having to
2: babysit in the NFL more than he does in college.
5: That's that's the truth that's the truth it, it's crazy These mm-hmm. uh, he, he's supposed to be grown men you know and and they, they act like children but uh you know you could I, say I, Doug, I Doug. coach Marona was a really good guy yeah, i'm just sickle to death he's there in uh, tuscaloosa
2: well he lied to me and said that uh That your youngest son did an awesome job with him there with the Jaguars. He lied. I thought he was very nice how he lied. Yeah, I I don't know about
5: that.
2: uh, He was gracious with his dishonesty. I I know.
5: I I met Coach Marone, and and, uh, he's a fine man.
2: Really is. Just a good dude. Good football coach, too. Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. And you look at Bill O'Brien now with all this Deshaun Watson stuff, and Bill O'Brien looks... Bill O'Brien looks better by the day, doesn't he? I,
5: I, I don't understand what in the world is, is, is going on with Watson. I yeah. don't understand. I, I, I don't know. You know I mean, it, it, it's, it's nuts. Mm. I had no idea. I thought Deshaun Watson was squared away. Yeah. Lord have mercy.
2: So, yeah, uh, you look at where they those two guys came from. Tuscaloosa looks like uh, St. Martin. You know, or
5: something. <laughs> yeah, there, it is a paradise. Absolute paradise.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right, pops, what's for lunch?
5: Well, I don't know. Man, I hadn't said anything, and I'm, 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 gonna have to, you know, find out.
2: You've been out there risking your life on those hedges. Yeah, yeah. You know, Serve some chicken salad. I'm, I'm surprised. Well, we hope you enjoy it, whatever it is. and uh, oh, I will. have a, I, I will. Have a good weekend. I will. We'll talk to you later. There he goes, Pops. He's Something Pops. That's going to do it for a Friday edition of Southern Pride Sports. Thanks to Charlie Potter for joining us on the program. Thanks to Pops, the high-flying hedger over there on the west side of Jacksonville. He gets up on that six-foot ladder. He's only 5'6", you know? Worry about him on that six-foot ladder on those hedges. And, that, and, that, and that head, those hedgers are just running. You can hear them. Yeah, dangerous. The Friday lunch whistle. Man, if you're in town for A-Day, you need to do the double dip right there at Southern Alehouse. Get by there. Uh, the game kicks off at noon, so you can get by post-game. Have a great early dinner, late lunch. They're going to take great care of you there. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. And then, of course, after that, go next door. Hit up Peterbrook Chocolatier. They're going to help you out as well. Thanks to Jacob Harrison. And until 11 a.m. on Monday, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank
5: you.